The New York Mets are nearing a deal with Jake Diekman to be the second left-hander in their bullpen. Are they done adding this offseason? I'll break down the signing and more on today's edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. It appears like the New York Mets will be signing Jake Diekman to bolster their bullpen. I will talk about that signing in the first segment. In the second segment, We'll look at the state of the bullpen, assuming the Mets are done after the Adovino and Diekman signings. Then in the last segment, I'll talk about just what this offseason has meant as a whole, where this team is at, and how we can properly set expectations for the 2024 year. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FicklesteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers who join today will get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. As I record here today at around 4 o'clock Eastern time, we do not know of an official agreement between the New York Mets and Jake Diekman, but all the reports indicate that something will get done here. Andy Martino said they are nearing an agreement. He's a 37-year-old pitcher. Maybe this is just a matter of getting through a physical, you know, dotting all the I's, crossing the T's on that contract, and the Mets will have their next left-handed reliever to pair with Brooks Raley in that bullpen. But this is a sign that we talked about a little bit on this show when Wandy Peralta signed with the Padres, that this was a pivot the Mets could make. Deakman's coming off a great year with the Tampa Bay Rays, but he didn't start with the Rays. So let me just walk you through his season last year. Okay, Jake Deakman has 13 appearances with the White Sox in 2023. That's where he opened up the year, had a 7.94 ERA, was walking a ton of batters. He was released. The Rays signed him on a minor league deal. They sprinkle a little fairy dust on him, and all of a sudden you get around to June, and he's unbelievable. Although I will say in his first month with the Rays, there was two at-bat outings where he gave up two runs apiece, so he wasn't perfect. You look at June, he basically was 12 scoreless appearances, uh, gave up some runs in July, some more in August, but then had another scoreless month in September. And if you look at those two months, it was just utter dominance. In June, it was 11 innings pitched, two hits allowed, seven walks, 19 strikeouts. September, it was 11 and a third innings pitched, two hits allowed, four walks, 17 strikeouts. So across 22 innings, only four hits allowed, and you know, what is that, 36 strikeouts? A ridiculous set of months that he had. And in the middle, he was you know, around a 3-5-ish ERA in uh, July and August. You look at from June on, Okay, so this is into his second month with his raised tenure. Again, his first month, he gave up four runs in his outing, so he didn't pitch great in his first month as a Ray. But from June to the end of the season, in his final 42 appearances, Jake Diekman pitched to a 1.59 ERA, 
across 39 and two-third innings pitched, and a strikeout rate of nearly 30% at 29.6, a walk rate of 13.6%, which is the problem. We'll talk about that more in a second here. And his home run per nine was 0.23. So he kept the ball in the yard. He kept it on the ground pretty well on, on top of that. And he got a lot of strikeouts. If you're curious about his arsenal, it's a lot of fastballs, which from the left side at his arm angle at an average of 95.4 miles per hour, which means he can touch a little bit higher than 95. This is a guy that is really able to just attack with the fastball. He threw it 57.6% uh, of the time, which is one adjustment that you look at from what he did the year prior, where it's around 44% to with the Rays, where they were like, all right, just throw that fastball more. Batters hit 175 against the fastball. They slugged 228. And he got a whiff percentage on the fastball of 25.5%. For a fastball, that's a really healthy whiff percentage. He has a sweeper that comes in at 83.7 miles per hour, so a big discrepancy in velocity there. Batters hit 161 against the last year, a 290 slug, whiff percentage of 37.3. That's really good as well. Has a changeup at 87.9 miles per hour. Uh, batting average against is 189. Slug was 297. So his primary three offerings last year, batters hit under 200 against them and they slugged under 300. That's nasty stuff that he has. Um, again, he got the ball on the ground well. It wasn't Wandy Peralta ground ball rates, but it was still really good. These are different pitchers. Peralta, it's more ground balls. It's not as many strikeouts, but it's also nowhere near the amount of walks. Basically what the Mets end up with here is a guy that has you know more lights out ability. Again, there was two months where he literally did not give up a run last year. Wandy Peralta is not that dynamic of a pitcher, but he's a more consistent pitcher, and that's why he got a four-year deal. Deekman, again, we don't know the complete contract language, but it seems to be a one plus one, you know, a one-year guarantee with some type of a vesting option, whether that's based on appearances, whether that's a player option, a club option. We still don't know. But the bottom line is the New York Mets are signing a guy who is a left-handed reliever like Peralta at a similar dollar amount for this season. So expect something in the four to five million dollar range. Who, you know, if right, can be better than Wandy Peralta, but also if wrong, could be a lot worse. I think with Wandy Peralta, the reason why the Mets preferred him is because you know, he's pretty much proven for one, he can pitch in New York, but two, that you know, he's gonna be able to. You know, live with that really high ground ball rate and uh, avoid a bad ERA, you know, avoid a season where he's just awful. Deekman has had a lot of awful lately, particularly in a White Sox uniform, but it can go the other way on him. His stuff is great, but the walks are really concerning. With the White Sox, the reason they released him, it wasn't just that he gave up a lot of runs. His walks per nine was over 10, which means he was walking more than a batter per inning on average. Now, he cut that with the raise to around five, so he cut that in half. And that's about where he's lived in his career with a walk rate of around five per nine. Still not great if he's walking a batter you know, once every two innings or even more than that. Uh, but with the stuff that he has, I think it's worth it, clearly. It gives you another tough lefty that you can throw uh, against all those good lefty hitters in this division to go up against you know, a Matt Olson or a Bryce Harper or Kyle Schwarber. You now have Deekman and Rayleigh, and it's a good signing for what was left in this market. I think he was the next best after Peralta came off the board. So it's a good move. The question is, where does the Mets bullpen stand now that, that they've made this signing? Is this it? 
Is any hope of Ryan Stanek gone now? I'll talk about the state of the bullpen, and then we'll get into the state of the team a little bit in the final segment. But first, we'll go over the bullpen in just a minute. Today's episode, though, is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience are what brings home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers to roof racks to exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. With eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need and at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car to an MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive with eBay Motors at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay's guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. So with Jake Diekman in place, I believe the Mets are probably done adding to this bullpen. So what does it look like? Edwin Diaz is finally back and healthy. To me, that alone makes this bullpen better. Adam Adovino, you're returning. Brooks Raley, you're returning. So it's basically an upgrade from David Robertson, who you only had in the first half of the year up until the trade deadline. You're now upgrading to the best relief pitcher in all of baseball, Edwin Diaz. And you're adding a Jake Diekman into the fold as a second lefty. So I do think that in some ways this bullpen is improved. Um, how much? We'll see. How deep will they be? That's where all those minor league signings are going to come into play. And I think what these major league signings have finally done for the Mets is it's allowed those guys who they've taken flyers on to you know, be part of their bullpen in Syracuse and to be called on when injury dictates or where they just need a fresh arm. And that's going to allow that depth to just go a little bit further. So I think it was the smart move to split up the available money they had left, which you know, if you buy into Andy Martino's reporting, he said it a while ago, the Mets have about $10 million to spend. Four and a half on Adovino. We're not sure exactly what Diekman's contract's going to be, but probably in the same range. That would take up that budget, and everything that we see is indicating that they're not going to be in on a DH. So this is your team. And instead of just signing Hector Norris. They split that up between Adovino and Diekman, and I think that was the right call. You are adding two guys into your bullpen that have the ability to put together a great season. If Jake Diekman is the guy he was for the Rays, and he's a sub-2 you know, two ERA guy for 42 appearances like he was from June on, I mean, even if you don't get that the full season, even if you get that for stretches, right? If you get two months out of six where this guy is completely lights out, and then a couple of, of good months and maybe a bad month mixed in there, that'd be fine. His overall production is going to be worth it at that dollar amount. He's going to help the Mets win a lot of games. Um, to be able to complement him with Brooks Raley and to mix and match whenever Mendoza wants to, that's really nice. I think there's a lot of pressure on Adam Adovino to be the guy he was in 2022 or to be the eighth inning guy, so to speak. I don't know how much the Mets care about that anymore. Having the the straight setup, man. I do think bullpens are evolving, and it's not as important as it once was. But I still like to know that there's somebody out there that can save games outside of Edwin Diaz, and that can you know come into a game where the Mets are winning two to one in the eighth inning, and you don't feel that they need to go to Diaz for six outs. 
So Adam Adovino is really a piece that I think is going to significantly impact this season. If he continues to slide like we saw last year, that's going to hurt the Mets a pretty good amount. If he could be, you know, what he was in 2022, that's going to be massive. But but that's really the four arms right now that you look at that are the biggest um, pieces to, to think about for this season. Beyond that, I think you know right now that Drew Smith and Jorge Lopez are going to be there in some capacity. Now, Drew Smith, I've said it before, he's in a contract year. Hopefully get the best out of him. He still has a live arm. There's still every chance that he can pitch and leverage a little bit. It just didn't look like it last year. So can he bounce back? We'll see. Jorge Lopez, another big bounce back candidate. 2022, this guy was one of the best closers in baseball before the deadline. The Orioles traded him, um, and he struggled with the Twins, and then those struggles continued throughout the 2023 season with all the different stops that he had. If Jorge Lopez can get back to his former self, he could take Adovino's spot, so to speak, as that eighth inning guy. He has the experience to draw on. So I, I think with those six, you have a good enough combination of ceiling and floor where the Mets bullpen should be okay, particularly having Edwin Diaz to anchor the whole thing. Beyond that, you know, Michael Tonkin is a name that I think you should uh, maybe circle as the most likely to crack that opening day bullpen. He's on a split contract. He was really good pitching multiple innings at a time for the Braves last year. So that would fill a need. And then that could be it because as I've said in the past, I'm not entirely sure what the Mets are doing with, with this rotation. It could be a six-man rotation or it could be a really creative structure where you know, maybe it's only four guys that have a set day on the schedule where it's Sanga, uh, Severino, Manea, and, uh, and Quintana, and Hauser and McGill are you know mixing and matching. They, they're piggybacking each other, or one of them might piggyback one of the other four starters at some points when there's extra off days in the schedule. There could be bullpen games. There's a lot of ways the Mets can get created this year, but I have mentioned those six starters as guys that I believe will be on the opening day roster which only leaves you seven spots. So if you have those six starters, you have Diaz, Adovino, Rayleigh, Diekman, Smith, and Lopez. Well, now there's only room for one. And I think Tonkin would be the favorite, but there's countless other guys that can win a job in spring training. And that's really what you want. Like you, you want to have a bullpen where most of the spots are filled. So you expect of that six, maybe one of those guys gets hurt and the competition ends up being for two of those spots amongst all the other people that are in camp. If everything breaks right, no one's hurt, and you only had that competition for one spot. But I like the depth that the Mets have in their bullpen and honestly in their rotation. I think that is something the Mets have done a great job of this offseason, of adding depth. The amount of upside that this roster presents, that's where there's some concerns. That's where there's some questions. Andy Martino had an interesting note about the trade deadline that I'll discuss in the next segment. And we'll just look at this roster as a whole. But before we get into any of that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl Sunday to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch and grabbing your favorite football snacks and placing some super bets. Whether you like to bet on every prop from the coin toss to the length of the anthem to the Gatorade, going to be dropped on the winning coach or if you just want to bet on who wins the game FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a w or two or three not only can you bet who will win super bowl 58 
But FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers who join today will get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. As soon as the news circulated on Jake Diekman, the first place I went today was Subtext to let my Locked On Mets insiders know. Subtext is our texting service where you can get updates from me anytime something breaks on the Mets. It's where I'll be sharing the lineup card throughout the season, transactions that take place, all that good stuff. It's the place for your bonus coverage of Locked On Mets, and it's also where you can ask me questions anytime and get into our giveaways, which we're doing one this week for a signed photo of Lucas Duda. If you want to get in the mix on that giveaway or just in all the extra content that our Locked On Mets insiders are enjoying, you can find the link in the episode description or go to subtext.com slash Locked On Mets. Now, the Mets are probably done. And I think what they've done this offseason is they have shored up a lot of holes and they have improved the depth of this roster. Remember, the first thing David Stearns did when he came in is he cleared the 40. I mean, there was a point where the 40-man roster was below how many players I think you'd need on an active roster. I think it got down to the the mid to low 20s at one point. And then it was about steadily adding and and piecing everything together. And they have gotten this roster to the place where there's enough starting pitching to get through this season. There's plenty of bullpen help to get you through. And they've improved significantly on the defensive side of things. So I think the strategy is pretty clear. It's be a strong, sound defensive team. Hopefully the bullpen, which is something David Stearns has been able to build in the past with the Brewers, hopefully the bullpen's a strength. And with defense, speed, bullpen, and then the hope that you get some standout offensive performances from the stars that were in place and the young players coming up, you can win a lot of close games and you can stay in the mix. And I think they've basically put together a 500 team, a team that could go either way. It can drop down. And instead of being 500, it could be 75 wins like last year. It can go up a little bit and maybe they can you know, get into the high eighties for their win total and, and grab a wild card spot. Maybe it's an unprecedentedly good season based on the talent that they have. And they actually are a 90 win team who knows, but what they've done is they've given themselves a chance. And they're also using this year to learn a, a lot about their team moving forward. Because the World Series window for that team that won 101 games for the Max Scherzer build, the Verlander build, that closed at the deadline last year. And they're not ready to open it up again. So Francisco Lindor, Brandon Nemo, Edwin Diaz, these guys that are in place on big big long-term deals that expected to win it all, they're still here for a while. And they need to have sort of a year of patience here where, hey, if they go out and have a great season, by all means, if they get into the dance, you never know what can happen. But really, that window is going to open in 2025 and beyond. And so the Mets have set themselves up to have a good year, to learn a lot about the players that are in-house, and to be better prepared to have a sustainable winner in the future. That's why all these contracts have been you know, one-year deals or one-year deals with options. It's to keep maximum flexibility. And while you might not love that there hasn't been a splashy signing, while you still want them to go out and grab a DH, I think what you have to at least respect 
is there has been a plan in place by David Stearns. There was one free agent that the Mets were willing to throw the big offer at, and they did. That was Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Other than that, they evaluated this market and they said, you know what? We're going to find value contracts. We're going to sign guys to one-year deals who are maybe coming off down years but have upside to be more. We're going to bring in guys who have the ability to improve the floor of our team, to give us you know depth in the rotation, depth in the bullpen, a strong defender now, like Joey Wendell. I don't love that signing at all, but he provides a definable skill with his defense. Harrison Bader, the same thing, but to you know a higher degree where you think he might be a starter. That's what the Mets have done this offseason. And it's been a you know calculated strategy that's been ex- executed very well, in my opinion. You know, you, you identify a guy like Wandy Peralta. You think he's the right left-hander to, to fit into your bullpen. According to Andy Martinez, they offered him, you know, a two-year deal in the eight to ten million dollar range. So right in line with what he got, but just a shorter deal. I think it was a two-year deal with an option. And you know, who knows, man? That was a mutual option. They didn't want to have a reliever on their books for four years. The Padres did. The Padres gave him three player options. They they put a contract in front of Peralta that got him to sign there. And that's great by all means for them. But for the Mets, all right, you didn't overreact. You didn't say, all right, we'll give you that same four-year deal. You pivoted and you got a fine secondary option in Jake Diekman. You were interested in Hector Norris, but the bidding got crazy. Called the bat amount of Vino, brought him back into the fold. So it's just been these little calculated moves. They've been patient, and that's what you want out of your front office. Even though the fan base is going to be impatient, you want a front office that doesn't care what the fan base thinks. As much as that you know, sucks to hear as a fan, that's the reality. If you want your team run well, you want these people that are getting paid a lot of money to run baseball ops to run baseball ops with blinders on and to have a vision that they're committed to and to stick to that vision. And one of the interesting notes that Andy Martino put in his article about Jake Diekman was saving money for the trade deadline. And it also lines up with your organizational philosophy for this year. Find out what you have. So if there is a 10 to $15 million slot that could go to Jorge Soler tomorrow, and he's probably going to make more than that, but you know, to, to that DH, to, to Brandon Belt. Don't sign Brandon Belt in February or March. Instead, see if DJ Stewart and Mark Fientos can be good enough because maybe instead of adding, adding that money into your, your team at DH, you realize you need him more in the rotation and you make a trade at the deadline for a starter who's making a nice chunk of change. And all of a sudden, it's, you know what, we're in the mix. The Brewers are out of the mix. Let's go all in for Corbin Burns for the, the post run. And then because at that point, you hope you can re-sign him. It's it's looking at your team and saying, all right, we got enough for the start of this season. We got enough to to go out, to put in a good effort, to try to keep our heads above water in the first couple months of the year and to see what we have, to see how Francisco Alvarez has progressed, to see what Brett Beatty and Mark Fientos are going to give you, to see what prospects can maybe you know grab a spot on the team, to see if Acuna or Jay Williams or Drew Gilbert can come up, to see what you have in a Christian Scott or a Mike Vassell. And then at the deadline, the Mets will know for one where they are. Are they buyers? Are they sellers? Are they two games out of the division? Are they seven games out of the wild card? Are they somewhere in between? And 
if it is time to buy and they have a real shot at it, they have the prospect capital that they've been you know, holding, keeping their powder dry on to be able to make some moves. And they'll have some money in the budget still to be able to add salary at the deadline if that helps them. And, and we've seen in the past, they can maybe take on a bad salary potentially and get another player. They, they can be creative if they had to. I think everything will be at their disposal if the Mets prove they can be a winner in the first couple months of the season. So I'm not going to be too upset that they're not signing a DH tomorrow because I feel like they have enough options in-house for really every problem they might have right now heading into spring where they can wait and see now. Their bullpen's full. Their rotation's full. Their lineup is pretty full. And it's just about how all these different you know faces, new and old, will perform and what they might need during the year. I think this is a Mets team that's going to go into the season under the radar, and that's not a bad place to be. And I think they can exceed a lot of expectations. Anyway, that's going to be all for this edition of Locked on Mets. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll post. You know, I will do one tonight um, for a Friday morning post. I was going to do a really uh, exciting episode I had talking about Ronnie Mauricio and Luis and Helicuna, how that injury, as unfortunate as it was, might have opened the door to see more Acuna this year. It's already prepping it. So I will do that show. You'll have uh, this show and then a, a whole fresh one for Friday morning. And that'll conclude our Locked On Mets coverage for the week. Unless, hey, they surprise us and do something else. Anyway, that's going to be all, though, for today's edition of Locked On Mets. Uh, if you are listening on the audio side, follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We're trying to get to 8,000 subs by opening day. So I appreciate all of you who subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. And now that you made it to end the show, if you're watching on YouTube, head over to the first ever 24-7 streaming channel covering everything in the world of sports. Of course, I'm talking about Locked On Sports Today with our local experts from each team and our league-wide experts from each league. You can follow Locked On Sports Today streaming 24-7 on YouTube.